Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 10th day of October 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside on a beautiful day in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Dan Petrie, former Detroit Tiger, current Los Angeles Dodger, Jack Peterson, A's manager, Bob Melvin. My goodness, you can't even count all the things that makes Palo Alto the hub of baseball. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm here, and I'm talking about this. I'm doing this every single day, and we are quickly approaching the fourth anniversary, which is going to be in two weeks. We are 14 days away from that. That will be on October 24th, 2016. will be year number four, a complete presidential term. And uh, don't worry, I'm not getting into presidential politics on this podcast because there's too much other stuff to talk about. Uh, One thing I will bring up, uh, it was a rough day to be named Bush the other day. It really was. First of all, uh, Billy Bush, who's I had no clue who that was until this Donald Trump tape emerged. He's in all sorts of hot water for being on that tape with Donald Trump. Rough day for him. Rough day for Jeb Bush, because he turns on the TV and he realizes he's still not the nominee. And it was a tough day for Matt Bush, the Rangers relief pitcher, one-time number one overall pick to be a star shortstop for the Padres. That turned into a catastrophe. And that turned into him making his way to the major leagues as a relief pitcher. Now, there is something that I want to address and the thing, I'm, the thing I'm going to address is a tweet that I got from someone. And, the, and this is not a Sunday request, nor is it a Monday request. But it was a tweet that gave me pause. And this is from the STL Poke, the St. Louis Poke. Um, he wrote to me, uh, Sully Baseball, just playing devil's advocate. How can you root for Texas, and specifically Matt Bush? He's the same trash as Chapman. Now, let me tell you what he's talking about there. The main reason I do not want to see the Chicago Cubs win the World Series is because of the image of Aroldis Chapman throwing his glove up in the air and being mobbed on the pitcher's mound as the Cubs clinch. And I want to avoid that image. Now, I've been very vocal about that because of the fact that Aroldis Chapman was the whole domestic violence suspension, and which is just one of those irreversible crimes in life, and the fact that I didn't want the narrative, the inevitable narrative of redemption being found on the baseball field for something that has nothing to do with sports. Now, how could I say that about Chapman and not have the same emotion towards Matt Bush, who also was involved in a domestic violence incident. Um, I don't know all the details about it, but how could I condemn one team, root against one team, and I was openly rooting for the Texas Rangers. On the other hand, it is a terrific question, and it is one that is moot because the Rangers got swept. They didn't get swept because of Matt Bush. They didn't get swept because of the wild pitch basketball. They got swept because Hugh Darvish and Cole Hamels got smoked. 
They got their butts handed to them. And for that reason, the Rangers are my pick to win the World Series. We're three and out and were done before October reached double digits in terms of the dates. But it is an interesting question. Why did I come so hard on the Cubs to the fact that I'm rooting against a what would be a historic moment, but I give the Rangers a proverbial pass? Is it hypocrisy? Maybe. Maybe it is. Or maybe it is that one specific image that I want to avoid. Now, I've stated this before, but I guess this is, I have to state it again. And, and I'm sure if we, we dig deep on, on, or maybe not even so deep on enough of the rosters, we'll find players who are objectionable on every team. So why am I coming down so hard on the Cubs? Because of the historic nature of this year, if they win, and boy, oh boy, two games in this postseason, they sure look like the team to beat. If they win the World Series... The image of them winning the World Series will undoubtedly be one of those repeated moments that we see over and over again. The Red Sox have won three World Series since, you know, since the curse and everything like that. But what's the clip they always show? Edgar Renteria, I mean, there's a lot of clips from that 2004 postseason, but Edgar Renteria tapping the ball back to Keith Folk. Folk tossing it over to first, the celebration begins. Boom. It's one of those moments that the people show clips of over and over again because of the historical significance of it. They don't show Jonathan Papelbon striking out Seth Smith in 2007 or Koji Uehara striking out, uh, I believe it was Carpenter of the Cardinals. In fact, I have to say, I believe, because I, I think it was Carpenter of the Cardinals that he struck out to get the final out. And while those are moments that are close to the hearts and the bosom of Red Sox fans everywhere, uh, there's nationally the clip we see of back to folk. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. That's a clip was shown a lot. It's a historic clip. The image of folk jumping up and Doug Benkevich in the background jumping up at the same time is a historic picture. Varitek jumping into the arms of Keith Folk was the cover of Time magazine. And it's something that is emblazoned as one of those great moments in baseball history. If the Cubs do the same thing, if the Cubs win the World Series this year, with all, you know, look at all odds point to them using the closer to clinch out the World Series. Even if it's not a save situation, it's almost unwritten. It's almost a given that the final out is handed to the closer, with very, very few exceptions. You go back through the year, like last year was an exception. Or no, not last year. Last year, was, last year, Wade Davis was the closer. He got it. Two years ago was an exception because Madison Bumgarner came out of the bullpen. Throughout that year, the closer role was split between Sergio Romo and Santiago Casilla. Casilla mainly was the closer in the postseason, but Bumgarner was the man, and so he was the one to get it. But almost every other year, it was whomever was the closer at the time gets the honor. Uehara, Romo, Mott... Uh, uh, Wilson, Rivera, Lidge, um, I mean, going back to uh, Papelbon, you know, Wainwright was the active closer at that point, uh, Jenks, 
you with a few exceptions along the way, you may get an, uh, a complete game from someone like a Josh Beckett in 2003. Or you may get a walk-off hit like Edgar Renteria did in 1997 or Luis Gonzalez did in, uh, what was it, 2001. But almost always, you hand the ball to the closer. A lot of those times I just mentioned were not save situations. Koji's save, Koji clinching in 2013 was not a save situation. Jason Mott clinching was not a save situation. But it was, hey, you're the closer, the honor is yours. And so the image of Chapman being the one who will be mobbed on the mound, the odds are overwhelming that if the Cubs win the World Series, that's what will happen. If you can guarantee me that Jake Arrieta will be the one on the mound, or Rondone, or Carl Edwards, or John Lester, or, or, or anyone else. Or you can guarantee me that it will be a Rizzo home run, or a Bryant double down the line, then okay, I could be fine with that. But I want to avoid the image of Chapman being celebrated and people, if anything is brought up about the domestic violence, it would be, well, the year started off rough for him, but he redeemed himself and blah, blah, blah. What a story of redemption and everything. Because that's inevitable. Now, why do I not have that same sense for Matt Bush? Because I never thought that that was going to be the scenario. He's not their closer. He's not the one who's going to be the default to hand the ball to. Look, there are going to be terrible people on teams. I make a big difference between people who say terrible things, like a John Rocker, like a Daniel Murphy, and someone who does terrible things, like a Brett Myers, and an Aroldis Chapman. There's a difference, in my mind, between words, like I have tons of problems of things that Tory Hunter has said, and deeds which is what Jose Reyes did. So, the, I guess it, you could say it's a form of hypocrisy, but to me, it's very specific. There's a scenario that I did not want to see happen that is a celebration of someone on the heels of something that should not be redeemable. So, that's my main reason. I was rooting for the Rangers because there's so many players on the Rangers that I like. I was never specifically rooting for Matt Bush. Ever. Seems like a jerk to me. Seems like a guy who blew his big chance and became an a-hole. Or maybe he always was an a-hole. But I wanted to see a team that had the likes of Beltran and, and Beltre and an injured Prince Fielder and Darvish and all these players who I really, really like win a World Series if not for the Red Sox. Well, that point is moot. There will be no Rangers championship, but there still is a chance for a Cubs championship. And man, is today's game a bigger example of why that one nothing Giants loss, at least for someone who wants to see the Cubs lose, why that one nothing Giants loss was so aggravating? If they had won that game, and knowing that they're handing the ball to Bumgarner later today, Look, at, I know Arietta's pitching, but Bumgarner and Arietta, yeah, you take your chances with that. And if 
they had scored just two damn runs in game one and split those games in Wrigley and given the ball to Bumgarner. Now, granted, the Giants aren't dead. If Bumgarner wins, the next game, I think, favors the Giants. Moore versus Lackey. Look at Lackey is another guy who I think is a bit of a jerk, played for my team for a little bit. I think that that matchup favors San Francisco. And so, if the Giants win today, they'll be at home more lackey. If they can pull that game, that game's at least evenly matched. If they can pull that off and then hand the ball to Cueto in a deciding game five, look it, this game could be over by the time I post this podcast. But maybe it's not. So we got the Dodgers and the Nats later today. We got my beloved Red Sox hoping to hang on. Clay Buckles, holy cats, please. If Clay wins, they can hand the ball to Porcello in game four. And we'll see what happens there. But the Giants and the Red Sox have to win these games. And as for Washington versus Los Angeles, I have no clue who I want to win that. I hope it's a great game. And I hope whoever wins game three loses game four. But with all that in mind, I hope that I at least articulated some of my thoughts about Matt Bush to your satisfaction. But let's turn this off. And when I come back, we'll talk about the games that were played today on the 10th. Well, there you have it. The Red Sox season is over. And, you know, sweeps are really, really rough because you get that, you win a game or two, even if you didn't win the series, you get a game or two, you have a moment where you can kind of cling to and have that great memory. But when you have a, uh, you know, you go out and you don't even get a win, it kind of leaves a weird taste in your mouth. You know, I've seen the Red Sox win a few World Series. I saw them get swept in 88, in 90, in... 1995, in 2005, in 2009, and now this year. So, and it's funny. I know I've made this point before, but the teams that win, you remember everyone. You remember the role players on that team. You remember the people who were picked up midway through the year or at the end at the trade deadline. I mean, Doug Mankiewicz and Dave Roberts are players who are, you know, in just solid memories of them in in 20, in uh, uh 2004 and Orlando Cabrera the same thing you know with his great defense that he played at shortstop and they were all picked up at, you know midway through the season and then you think about some of the players who played on the teams that got swept and and sometimes you had great Red Sox you know players like Greenwell or Burks or players like you know, Mo Vaughn, you know, play, great Red Sox players along the way. And then you got, sometimes you had role players. Like, who remembers it? Larry Parrish or, or Mike Marshall or Dennis Lamp or anyone like that remembers of the Red Sox. But they played on the postseason teams, just they weren't on the right postseason team. Mike Myers was a situational left-hander in 2004. He's a world champion. And... Tom Bolton was a left-handed reliever in 1988, and he's remembered only by the biggest diehard Red Sox fans. So, 
you know, I don't want to be one of these people who are like, oh, if it's not a world championship, it's a failure. Because I look at this season as a success for the Red Sox. They had two straight last place finishes. They had the 2013 championship, which was a one-hit wonder. We all know it was a rebuilding year that they happened to win the World Series. Then they weaned off the veterans, brought in the young players, and the young players won a division. And got a little taste of the postseason. A quick taste, but a little bit of taste. You saw Mookie Betts and Ben Attendee and some of the other young players actually did well. But the season's over, and Big Poppy is over, and he's gone. And, of course, he was lifted for a pinch runner, which drove me crazy, especially when the Red Sox were rallying in the ninth. And you know it's going to come up, and, like, Marco Hernandez is going to bat. You know I mean, God's sakes, learn when to pinch run. But he's gone. And, you know, I know that, you know, the Yankee fans hate to hear about David Ortiz, and I talked about why I thought he was a PED user long before the test, the positive test and all that, but I'm going to miss him. Man, he gave me a lot of thrills. Man, he was fun. Man, he was exciting. He was our guy. I don't know if he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, his numbers show for it, but the designated hitter and the cloud of PEDs will make it hard. Hell, if it's hard for Clemens and if it's hard for Bonds, for God's sakes, it would be hard for anybody. So eventually... I think eventually he will. I don't think it will be the first ballot, second ballot, third ballot, or fourth ballot. But eventually he will, just like eventually Clemens will, and eventually Bonds will. Eventually the tides will turn. But, man, next year there's going to be no Ortiz. And that's going to feel funny. It's going to feel real funny. And that means of that 2003 and 2004 matchups of the Red Sox and Yankees, that means that nobody's left. There's nobody left. It's an entirely new cast. And the Yankees had a, you know, a brief postseason run with uh, being bounced from the wild card game last year. And the Red Sox got swept out this year. But they both have a young cast. And some of them have their first taste of the postseason and one that they can build upon. Look out. Will the rivalry come back? I hope so. But anyway, uh, when I think about this year, my, probably my first thought's going to be the Hanley home run off of Batances. That's the first thing I thought of. But I'm proud of my Sox. They're division champs. I wish they went further. But look, at, it's tough to advance when none of your starting pitchers go five innings. I know the Red Sox bats weren't dynamic, but for God's sakes... The not one starter finished five innings. It's tough to advance with you if that's the case. And man, Price, you know, I hope that Price follows the steps of another ace for the Red Sox. When the Red Sox acquired Josh Beckett, he was supposed to be the big-time ace who was going to fill the shoes of the departed Pedro Martinez. I know it wasn't exactly that chronology. Pedro left after 04. There was nobody filling in his spot in 05. And then he came in came Beckett in 06. And his 06 season, he wasn't very good. He won a lot of games, but the Red Sox had a tremendous offense that year. But his ERA was in the fives. He was a mess. And the next year, he was a dominant ace and led the Sox to the championship. 
And I'm hoping David Price follows along those footsteps. That the first year was a little bit of a up and down, uneven clunker. And then he followed through. Like Porcello. Porcello stunk last year and he was an ace this year. I feel good for the Sox. But right now, it's time to move on. The Giants are starting pretty soon. And if they lose, all you who are sick of me talking about the Red Sox and Giants are going to get your wish come true. All right. Well, I'm going to do a little wrap in tomorrow's podcast about the Red Sox. So they're my team and they're out of it. But I'm now going to watch the Giants and the Cubs. Well, folks, um, this Giants game is going to the ninth inning, 5-5. And uh, I have a feeling this may go extras. So uh, keeping that in mind, I have to post a podcast today. So I'm going to wrap this one up. And I have a feeling that, uh, well, I have a feeling that tomorrow's podcast may cover what happens at the end of the Giants game, which you all know what happened, and I don't. Anyway, goodbye, David Ortiz. I'm glad Chapman got his butt rocked, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. To get up-to-date listings of who won October, go to MLBreports.com. I'm looking right at my mother when I tell them if they want to send me an email, where can they send it? Sully Baseball. Info at sullybaseball.com. Who's the music by? Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. That's right. Well, standing next to my mom, this is the end of a uh, wild day of baseball, and we're going to be covering this Giants-Cubs game tomorrow. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 10th day of October 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. I don't know what's going to happen, and you can call me Sully.